Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of the Real Solution Podcast. It's your boy Brandon Bad here with my favorite girl, the redhead. What y'all don't hear is that we have the best conversations before we actually start <laughs> recording. We've gotta stop this because we've wasted a whole hour. Um but But we're so ready to bring you so much more information. Because like we said last week, we're not the experts. We're just here to kind of educate ourselves and educate you all so that we can all try to find a way out of this convoluted mess. That was last week's word of the day, word of the week. Convoluted is an ongoing word. (laughs) It's going to be convoluted (laughs) the whole time through immigration. (laughs) I'm here for it. Yeah, immigration literally still is a whirlwind of opportunities and conversations. So, I mean, we're still on part. We're on episode one, part two. Yep. Um, I mean, this is probably going to be at least five or six parts because we got some things to get out. I, I did not realize just how much went into immigration as what does and what we've not fixed. Um, We will dedicate one of our forward-going episodes because um, there is the Immigration Reform Bill of 2006, and our wonderful politicians could not even come up with the fixes and changes, they scrapped it. And a lot of the things that are going on now are the same things that were built into this bill. And so we'll go through, um, because I think that we can send some details to our um, senators and Congress people. Um, this really needs, they just need to get to work. Um, they don't focus on this, they're too busy fighting. Um, but with that said, we'll we'll talk about some of the um, details that um, are going now. Um, in the news right now, the Trump administration is looking at doing a pullback on, I believe it's the HB1 visa, which allows... Um, I thought you said H1N1. I was like, <laughs> I, I heard that in a long time. That's bird flu, not immigration. <laughs> I mean, yeah, those politicians might as well be damn bird flu. You got that right. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, but this allows um, currently for spouses of, of um, visa recipients to be able to be issued visas to work. Um, so I know that that's going on. They have not passed anything with that yet, so we will get more details on exactly what the Trump administration wants to do. Um, In the meantime, if you're fluent with that and you are already detailed in that, by all means, send us a note. Um, There's a comment section on the website, which is www.therealsolutionpodcast.com. We work hard on that website, so definitely check it out. We want all of the traffic. Take a look at the PSAs. Send us your comments. Literally, the more you have in this conversation with us, the better it's going to get. Yeah, because we the whole thing was we created this because, you know what, everyone says, well, what's the podcast about? And I say it's about everything that pisses me off. And it really is. But when I talk to other people like Brandon we find out it's topics that everybody is virtually has an opinion and they're aggravated and mad about some of this stuff. I kept saying, what can I do as one person? Well, I can educate me and Brandon and we can educate you all. And that's what this is about. And if we can get some um, details to send up to our senators and Congress people, that's what we want to do. Um, That's asking a lot from me, but <laughs> I will definitely let you know the right people send up the notes and emails and letters. Uh, but uh, our redhead's right. Um, I mean, conversation isn't always easy, and we both took the leap of faith here to be like, yo. I mean, mostly her, because she's just aggravated everything in the world. <laughs> but, I mean, literally, everything that pisses her off, because this is going to get wild. But she's right. I mean... I don't do politics, I don't like politics, but immigration affects me. I have friends of all cultures, heritage, and races, and they have 
migrant families. They may be immigrants themselves. Um, and so it's conversation that needs to be had. So yes, it's tough. We're not experts in it, but we're going to have a blast trying to figure out who is, and we're going to make it happen. Exactly, so. because they've turned it into a political thing, but these are real people that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. They're people you may work with, you may go to church with, you may go shopping with, you may just sit in the coffee shop together and have a conversation, but it's people. It's not just numbers. It's people that this affects. So with that... Um, we talked about how many people last, uh, last segment where there were so many overstays and so many expired visas and things like that. Um, our, our representatives need to find a way to get that under control. Um, we've got a border wall that they are hollering and screaming about. Um, we need a wall. We need a wall. Well, you know what? The wall isn't going to help what's already here. And they're talking, we're talking to mass quantities of people um, that overstay their visas, like 700,000 a year. Yeah. Um, it says on a recent report that for the last seven years, the overstays of expired visas have exceeded illegal immigration and border crossings. So that tells you in itself, like, that's pretty, that's a pretty hefty amount now. Oh, if it's exceeding what the illegal immigrant population coming in is, yeah, that's, those are big numbers. And, and, you know, it's affecting everything. When you have numbers like this, they're going to public school. Yeah. Well, if they don't know English, what's that doing to our public schools? And there is um, documentation on how hard it hits your border states and their public schools. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the colleges now allowing um, undocumented people to go to college. Well, they don't get financial aid, but how do we fix this? Is there a, can't we put them on a, an aggressive path to being legal? I don't have all the dollar amounts. I understand it's very expensive. Well, college is expensive. You got that right, yeah. Well, and it's expensive to become a legal citizen. Um, so we'll, we'll get some of those numbers, but there's got to be a better way. It's, and I know some people are going to be really aggravated at this. It's not about sending and turning them all away. You're talking people that have been here for 5, 10, 15, 20 years yeah. that our government did nothing about. So they've made their homes here. And what is it for us to say you can't stay? They've, and some of these folks you know, have been here for years. They either own and run businesses. They work for businesses. They're paying their taxes. They're pay, um, putting their kids through school. We're not talking about the criminals or the poverty-stricken in all cases. But these are people. How do we fix this? What are some of the answers that we can get some of these people legal to continue living their lives the way that they're living the American dream. You know, I had a conversation with a couple of gentlemen a while back, um, both immigrated um, from Egypt. They both came different ways, um, one through the educational visa, the other one through the diversity lottery, um, which is also referred to as chain migration. Um, but get it they they see it on tv their whole lives this is the american dream and what we take for granted every day people in other countries are looking at they want to be here and sometimes they get here they overstay a visa their visa expires but they're already setting up to make their way in the world and if they're contributing just like you and i What's to say that they need to be booted? Why are we not finding ways to help them? That's Listen. 
that's the problem with a lot is that we aren't finding ways to help them. We are just merely coding the path, if that makes sense, um, for them to walk on but to not get too far. So we've got to figure out how to literally make a plan and implement to where we put them in the right status so that we could not continue to go into debt. The deficit is real. And I mean, I, I know for a fact, well, I don't have, don't have all the numbers, but the economy definitely is affected by immigration. Um, and so, like for instance, we had the conversation about the school situation. To me, that brings a very good point because I'm on the side of, I'm not mad at the school, the college for admitting undocumented immigrants to get an education. Uh, I don't think our redhead is mad at it either, um, but I do think that the school could have done a bit more to help when we had gotten to that point, and so that was failure on their end. And I and and you're right. I'm not mad about it. I am mad that it has not been rectified. Yeah, it should not. Cause let me tell you something. Colleges, money, school, like that stuff. Like somebody has documentation of that. So I do agree that after all these years, if it hasn't been already implemented, and at this time, as far as we know, it hasn't. Now, somebody's just being lazy. Like y'all are just, you know, it's gotta be a tax cut or something because there's no reason why it should go on that longer. Like people realize when a plan has to be made, like something's missing and we gotta put it into place. And we're talking 13 years. This was addressed back in 2006 with the reform bill. They didn't fix it. It got shoved to the side because they couldn't agree on things, and we didn't go back and we're not addressing them. So for 13 years, and it's also written into that um, bill, it, it accommodated and it gave breakdowns. If you've been here five years, here's what happens, 10 years. And like I said, we'll go into that bill in a little more depth because a lot of the stuff that was then is still happening now. And what the hell? have our government officials been doing except for fighting about it and i don't think they do nothing <laughs> i think they just get paid to get up there and just talk well and they get paid a hell of a lot more than the american average american person does and they're not fulfilling their job i mean do you know in the city of nashville to live comfortably you need to make estimated eighty thousand dollars yep um, I'm still waiting on my bank account to say. <laughs> Where's my eighty thousand? I take eight hundred at this point. Like, <laughs> bless the college student because I just don't understand what is going on in the world. Um, well, and that's you know what that that is is a perfect example. You know, a lot of your um, migrants come; they're not proficient in English. So it, it's very difficult for them to navigate the school system, the work system, and we allow it. And I, there is nothing in the world wrong with speaking a second language, right. but you know what? English needs to be the first language. When you get here, the first thing they need to start focusing on is learning the language so that they can navigate the schools. They can navigate getting a good paying job. Yeah, I agree. I think that's one of the simplest things like that you should, common sense ain't so common though. Um, Cause I mean, I love to travel to Spanish speaking countries and I make an attempt to try and speak that language. It's native to them, it's their mm -hmm. home. And granted a lot of those high tourist areas have people who can speak English obviously because they see so much, but eh, it's like, to me, it's like a culturally respectful thing. Like I would at least attempt. Um, and not saying that they don't, but you're trying to make permanent residence here, really get in depth. Like, this ain't just a vacation. So, I mean, you should be really, I don't want to, like, make it seem like I'm telling you you need to. But I'm like, I mean, you should have some consideration for where you're coming to. Well, and the ones that, that I know of um, are bilingual. Mm -hmm. In order to be really successful here in the U.S., it takes being bilingual. Yeah, I agree. And do you so, think that's just for like both sides or just the side of the immigrant? What do you mean? Like, think about business owners who may have to hire people um, or just meeting people in general. Like, 
it's not a requirement of me to speak a second language here, but I know the population of people who speak a second language is so high that my consideration, I mean, think about the education system. Spanish is, you foreign language is required. I'd love to know when it was implemented. We'll dive deep into that in future episodes, like public education. But yep, um, I'd love to know when that was implemented. When was it a requirement? I mean, and it's been a long time. My mother said she took French in high school. So and Me that, too. And that was a long time ago, yeah. A long time ago. We were still in paper and pencils, not on chiseled stone. Oh, my God. Listen, <laughs> I know they had rocks back then. But, yeah, because I threw them at you. <laughs> yeah, so I'd love to know when that was implemented because foreign language is required in grade school. Um, so, you know, that tells you right there, I mean, I, you know, I'm very proud of the fact my mother is 50, she's glowing. Um, so I know that was some time since she'd been in school. So like, when was it implemented then? I wish my grandmother was still around. She would, I would ask her that question because she used to be in the school system. So um, I, I was getting to the point of like, should it be like, a consideration for like normal people in the country to like want to speak because you said it, it really at this stage in life in this country being bilingual is necessary so I was trying to get at does like from the opposite side not the immigrant do I also need to be bilingual in a sense because there's such a heavy population of people who um, mostly for our country have who speak uh, Spanish as their second second language um, and I mean, I mean, high population. You're not going to go anywhere where you're not going to meet anyone who does not speak Spanish in this country for the most part. So that's what I was asking. Like, uh, should it be a consideration on my end, not as the immigrant, as the American-born person, to have a desire to speak the second language because there's so many people here? So it's just, just a question. Well, you know, there's been a big debate recently over the, is it the 2020 census? Adding the question whether you're documented or undocumented. Mm. Um, and I, I, my opinion is you need that question. I think, I think it would be good for documentation purposes, and especially if you're going to attempt to make a change somewhere in the world, that the data needs to be recorded. Well, they use the census to disperse federal money. And so if you've got these pockets of uh, Hispanic areas mm-hmm. or... Yeah, because where, where I am, <laughs> don't be mad at anybody, but we nickname it Little Tijuana because, I mean, it's just such a heavy population of Hispanic and Latino people in the area that I live in, just south of Nashville. Um, I mean, literally, I'm surrounded well, Which is fine. Exactly. Yeah. So you've got pockets of your Hispanics. Mm-hmm. You've got pockets of um, Indian. Mm-hmm. You've got pockets of Egyptian. Mm-hmm. You've got pockets of... You want to talk about Metropolitan honey? Nashville has all of it. Well, exactly. Well, and now people are afraid that if that question is on the census, that they're going to use it for deportation and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, here's my thing. I, it should not be used for that. Right. If we couldn't get our shit together to begin with in our government to take care of that, the census is not the time to do that. Right. The census is the time to determine how many people we actually have here. Now, what I would use that question for is in these heavily pocketed areas, we need to get in there and see our, what are we doing for them education-wise. Are they getting the skills and the tools in those schools that they need to function and be successful in the U.S. So you mean like public education or just like education in general? Well, public education, because that's when we're talking the census, like I said, that's where federal monies are going to get funneled to. Right. But are, are undocumented people in the public school system? Yes. That's what I was talking about earlier. You go down to um, Texas... And if you read on the internet about education, some of those schools have been uh, so inundated with undocumented kids who can't speak English. Mm-hmm. So now you've got a teacher up here, and it is prevalent uh, Hispanic in those areas. Mm-hmm, I'm sure you've got, well, if you go to New York or Michigan, um, Michigan, let's just talk about Dearborn, Michigan. 
it is inundated with um, Arabic. Okay. Um, so you've got kids in the school who speak Arabic and don't speak English necessarily. Gotcha. And where with Hispanic, you might be able to figure out a few words. I assure you, with Arabic, it's nowhere near our language. You're not going to be able to... Um, take some of what they say or they write and be able to translate it to English Correct. or to be able to understand them. Gotcha. I didn't know, because in my grade school days, there wasn't anyone that was undocumented. Like, there had to have been, I mean, because you couldn't register these kids, you know, without that. And even right. if they were... Um, you know, they had an alien, an alien status, you know, but that's still documentation. So that's why I asked that as a legitimate question. Like, are there like legitimate undocumented people actually going through the grade school system? Now, I know we discussed the case with Texas and the college and that, like I said, I had no beef with that. Um, that's that's a college is on a different grand scheme of things and like having the documentation that they require um, and allowing it minutes, especially if the person is just paying for their education out of their pocket. Um, I do still believe, though, that they could have been better in implementing a plan to help them as a requirement. Well, so, and my assumption is because she was in public high school prior to applying for college, oh, she was already in the right. public she education in, system. Yeah, that's right. She was in grade school and in the system. That's so I don't point. know what huh. allows that to happen or not happen. I wonder if that's also area specific. I don't think that was happening in Tennessee, but... You know, with such a high population in Texas of Hispanic and Latino people, I mean, Tejano culture in itself is over there. Like, I, well, and I, I didn't go. I didn't attend metropolitan schools. I was when I grew up. I was in county. She was in the country, honey. I was, <laughs> and my and my kids are in county. They grew up in a county school. Um, however, documented or undocumented, I can't tell you. They did have Hispanic kids. Right. They did have Arabic kids. Um, Indians. Um, I you know I had a convenience store gas station with a diner. Um, that industry is heavily foreign owned and operated. Um, but I will tell you that most of the people that own them learn English um, either immediately or eventually um, because their client, most of their clientele in, even in the city is a lot of Americans. And a lot of Americans, they start to learn. They start to learn English so that they can communicate. My daughter worked for a convenience store that was sold from one um, Indian family to another Indian family. Well, the selling Indian family spoke fluent English. They learned how to speak English. The incoming family does not know English very well. They know enough to be able to communicate, but they make it a point to learn the English language Correct. so that they can communicate. They do for business purposes, honey. They're not messing with their money. So um. they absolutely. And I mean, that goes to say the same for um, people from Asia um, and who have, have Asian descent, um, business people that come here. I mean, Japanese, Chinese, um, Laotian people, I, I, like all of these types of people, I mean, they they make it a point to learn English with the quickness. Sure. Accent heavy, strong as hell, where may it be, but they make it happen to let you know that I understand and no, 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 that's not going to happen. Yes, it's going to happen. Um, so absolutely. That's, that, so where we've got people saying, you know, we need to have, we need to just put translate everything into... Um, Spanish. Translate everything into Arabic. Have you seen any of the federal government paperwork that comes out? Has it ever been in a foreign language? Every possible language is translated on those sheets. When they send out that stuff, you've got two or three pages of translations. Well, the, that, now that you say that, I'm not really... I think about like the United Nations. I mean, you have a ton of countries that are a part of that. Um, 
so I'm not surprised that I mean that doesn't seem like it's an illogical thing because I mean if you have this document and you're reporting at that you know uh, scenario and you have 30 countries around you I would want to be able to be translated by them you know and I can't harbor it against them because they're in their home country so I I'm not mad that it's, you know, translated different ways. Now, I mean, us here, I mean, if the FBI is drawing up a report on a criminal and it comes out in 36 different languages now, I mean, that may be a bit excessive. What was the need? But, I mean. Well, here's, if if it's for um, Snap, which. Snapchat? No, no. Oh, girl, I thought <laughs> I'm say, you know, because you know, we say, you know, you put it on the snap, do it for the Previously snap. referred to as food stamps. Oh, yes, I did. I'm just <laughs> choosing to ignore your ass. Um. Got you, got you. Food stamps, food stamps. Yeah. Supplementary um, nutrition and something. Exactly. Yeah. Um, WIC, uh, 10 Care, uh-huh. all of those come with those pages of fully translated stuff. Oh, yeah, they do come in different languages. You know, I had a food stamp application one time. They had blessed me with them while I was a poor college student, and they did have all that extra stuff on there. But here's my thing. You should be starting to learn English, and if you're not learning English, we need to get you into that program. That's just my thought. What do you people think? I can see that, because if they have someone coming from a foreign country, they're migrating over here, um, one, for you to be applying for those resources, you have to have some sort of documentation. Um, but you would have also had to have been here, I assume, for some time that you should be able to speak to. Well, that's my understanding is that you should not be allowed to participate in those programs if you're not a citizen of the United States. You're not documented to participate in so those. So I'm saying that's not true? Is that, the, is that the case? I'm saying I'm confused about that. Okay. Because they was under my perception as well that I mean, if they're eligible to receive these resources, they are have some sort of documented status. Well, now I'll throw a ring into your. I don't like rings. My fingers too fat. Okay, you can have a wrench. <laughs> the wrench into this is if you've also been noted, uh, paying attention or reading um, the attack on Ben Carson. Mm. You know, he's the HUD secretary. Well, um, they are saying that because they're enforcing the law, the law is if you are not a United States citizen, you can't partake of subsidized housing or what do they call it? Section 8 housing. Um, But there is a little bit of a loophole that they are trying to close. Um, so what? here's the topic that everyone can, you can chime in, you know, hit your Twitter, hit your Facebook, um, go to the website. Um, but what HUD wants to do is close the, the loophole on that is if you right now are children of undocumented immigrants, um, what HUD and that department is going to do is they're giving families, um, they've got 18 months to find alternative housing if there are both legal and illegal residents. Um, what that is is if you were an undocumented um, person, but your children were born in the U.S., having U.S. citizenship, you are now entitled to be able to have housing. It's prorated so that if it's a family of four, the parents are undocumented, but the children are citizens, you get 50% of what that housing voucher would be. So they're getting prorated rent based on two of the four occupants. Well, that I think is probably, that made the light bulb go off for me. Well, that would be why I have the perception that undocumented is getting access 
to government subsidies because I'm undocumented, but I'm getting to take advantage of housing. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't know was that it is prorated based upon their kids. So if your rent's normally 500 and you're getting it subsidized for 250 because half of them are legal citizens, now they, they still have to make up that difference. The rent's still 500. It's only being subsidized for 250. Gotcha. But we don't see that. Right. The back room stuff. Yeah. So I wonder how much of that happens with SNAP and 10 care and things like that. From our viewpoint, it looks like, oh my gosh, they're undocumented, but they still have access to health care. Right. But maybe that's not the case because maybe it is just like HUD. Um, so people are up in arms, um, especially your Democratic Party, because they think that we're, um, that HUD is being abusive or not considering the humanity part of it and we're kicking people out on the street. Well, you know, I, I'm a big humanitarian, and if that's what you think is the problem, stop bitching about it. Fix it. What do we do to fix it? If you don't want to put these people out on the street, what do we say? Okay, you've got 24 months to get through the path to citizenship, and we need to have the, the classes and the people available to get them through that. You know, <laughs> if only it would take 24 months for the path to citizenship because, I mean, the process, which I don't know the specifics, but from what I do know, I mean, there's like so many years required to be here. Yeah, it's like five years. I mean, that's just crazy. So think about it, thinking about that logically, like, oh, I risk being here undocumented for five years before I can begin the process to become a citizen and well, all of these things. But my thing is, how long have they been here already? And that's one of the things that the Reform Bill of 2006 identified mm -hmm. was a breakdown. If you've been here this long... Yeah, and that's important. You can't rip somebody who's been here for 30 years and that's all they know is an American life and lifestyle mm -hmm. and then expect to deport them. Where are you going to put them? Where are they going? To what family? To who knows? And, and, and this really makes people mad, but come on. Why are we doing this to people? Grant, I, I get that the, it was illegal. I get that they shouldn't have been here under those pretenses. But we allowed it to go on. Not for six months. Not for, in some instances, I've got stories on when we cover like ice and things like that of people who have been here for 23 years, had their kids here. We never put anything in place. Like I said before, we do not have a fully functional enforcement team over visas and overstays and expires and things like that. That's why, as you said, that's why that number is far exceeding anything else because you know what? I'll go the legal route. I will get into the United States and ha, huh, pooey on you. You ain't got nobody enforcing the safety of drive throughs at the McDonald's. So what makes you think <laughs> that anybody is going to be out here policing these immigration people? You know, I'm just throwing it out. But, but we should. And I'm not going to say I do not agree, especially with the amount of overstays. I mean, you would just think in general that the government would have this shit together, but the tone, like, no one thought to be like, okay, this is going to expire, and should there be consequences or a process for when it happens, and what do you do? Hell, bill collectors call me more than the people I probably call to or finding these people who have overstayed their visas. Oh, yeah. So... Ain't that crazy to think that you get more phone calls and checked up on by the bill collectors than, you know, something that affects the economic status of the country altogether? And that's and if you boot all of the undocumented people at this point, you would probably annihilate 
the United States economy. Oh, yeah. How much money do they contribute? Because you know what? They still spend money in the grocery stores. Yep. They still get their cars fixed. Yep. They still get gas. They've got kids in school. Yep. They are, for the all intents and purposes, the majority of these people are contributing to the economy. And they've been contributing for a long time. Immigrants are not new. Exactly. 2019 is not the first time we've heard of these people. Exactly. So, so we need to hear from you all. What do you think, how do we put a, a task force in place? What would be the steps? Um, if you have not looked at the immigration reform bill of 2006, go back and look at it. Because like I said, a lot of things written into that bill is still the same things going on today. And the reason that it goes on, we the people allow we the people. our Senate and our Congress <laughs> to sit on their ass and do very little. I, and I'm not going to say all of them. There are a few out there that do work. And some work harder at certain things than others. But as the American people, we need to make sure they know this is an important facet that needs to be fixed. Not plowed over, but fixed. I don't think politician work is fake. Because, <laughs> because they, I just feel like you see them on the TV all the time that they're making all this money and you do not, you see results once every four years. I just really feel like, what are these people, what are they doing besides arguing in a room? Once they're elected, they immediately start fundraising for the next election. You know, and that that's very true. And they're just wasting my time. And so I if mean, you happen to be one of our Congress people or senators that happen to just tune in and listen to this, if you, if you find that we're um, not seeing things right, hey, and you know, I'm a smart ass. I need the data behind the money that you're spending for campaigns. Because let me tell you something. A social media influence can probably do the same thing that you're doing. And they don't have that kind of money. <laughs> They're not wasting it on the campaign. They're doing it themselves. So I would like to see the records. You're getting, you have all this money. You're doing all this fundraising. What is it actually going towards? What are you doing? Because I'm telling you, the things that you're doing seem like things that the average 18-year-old can do on their Facebook and on their Instagram, and they can have the boss to work out and make a sign also. Now, I know the logistical things cost money. Who wants to make a sign or a button or a poster or a commercial? Yeah, that's all fine and well, but that doesn't equate to the money that you're spending and the fact that you're not getting anything done while you're spending. And you're not living up to the campaign promises that you do. Oh, my God. You know, when, when you go to the... And, and here's the great thing about the timing of this podcast. We will also, going forward, take episodes and segments where we talk about each of the candidates. Um, the good, the bad, and the indifferent, because we're not here to... We may give you our opinions. We're not experts, but education and knowledge is power. Now, you're a Republican, is that correct? I am a Republican. Now, if I bring a Democrat to the show, can you behave? <laughs> I can. I deal with Democrats I, all the time. I, you know I, what? I um, I am a Republican on paper. <laughs> I am I'm a Republican. Well, I am a Republican in a lot of my thought processes. Uh -huh. um, but then it crosses over. I, to be honest, that's why I've never said I'm Republican or not Republican. Right. At this point in time, I don't give a damn what party somebody is. Yeah. What I care about is fixing. I'm tired of these lines being drawn between Republicans and Democrats. Um, Democrats tend to be a way more liberal and although they take everything to the humanity extreme, there has to be laws, there has to be rules. Um, I mean, you, you're basically stating you understand that people are real and people are people and I may have these views and my party may have these views, but you cannot be oblivious to the fact that I'm a person and so is the person across from me. And we gotta be smart about it. And I completely 100% agree. I don't walk into a voting booth and hit Republican. Yeah. I, if there... Any logical person wouldn't do the same for the opposite party either. 
I mean, you should really know your research on the candidate, know what their implementations are going to be. I mean, and, and what you know, common sense ain't so common. So people are so held up on the party status and don't have no affiliation with it. And that's why we have such an immigration problem. Yeah. Because we're not, they're not, they're focusing on what their party wants. Yeah. They don't do nothing with the damn party. Well, exactly. This isn't a party that we want to be part of. Yeah. This party has to stop fighting and start fixing. Um, I, there's a hashtag out there, um, hashtag get to work. Um, and that, that's been used in many instances telling Congress and the Senate, get to work, fix this stuff. Immigration isn't the only thing up there that they, they skirt away, um, but they don't fix these things. Um, we've got a whole episode um, on DACA, DACA, and ICE, um, two major organizations um, that have issues. Um, the one party wants them for this. The other party wants this. Well, you know what? We're all humans at the end of the day. And if they're here just because they came from another country seeking asylum or a better life, you know, we can't just say, go home. Um, and I hate that because anytime somebody gets into an argument with somebody, um, from another country, the first thing the American does is say, you just need to go back home. Yes. I've um, heard that I can't tell you how many times. And that's so unfair. It's unfair. It's degrading. It's devaluing. It's it's marginalization. And I, you know, I am that person, honey, about like um, humanitarian, human rights, equal rights. Like you want to go into a whole conversation on being marginalized. I'm there for it. Because it exists and it exists at levels that are out of control in the modern society. And so I hate that. Like, I just can't. For certain people, it really aches their heart. And I hate to see it. I could never imagine telling someone, like, you need to go back home as because they speak a second language, because they're in their personal business and their life on a phone call in a mall. I, it's hard to even watch instances like that on social media when you see them. Uh, for people like me, it, it really is hard because I'm just like, you've got to be out of your mind. What, at, at what level could I tell you that? I couldn't imagine saying something like that to you. <laughs> because I just... Well, and, and... Like, I couldn't imagine saying, like, you need to be put in a home because, you know, you are up there. And, like, you know, it's just... I saw you filling out the papers. Don't don't try to sugarcoat it. <laughs> no, I I agree. It aggravates me and it angers me that people stoop to to things like that. Damn it, we're all people. Everybody's got feelings. We'll even do stuff on on this bullying and on social media and how it affects suicide and things like that. Um, yeah, well, and, and immigration's the same way. How many people have been pushed over the edge because Americans, and you know what, I'm, I'm going to take a step back from that. It even applies from foreigner to foreigner. I have heard oh, and absolutely. watched. Um, and even in their own home countries. Yeah. Like, don't think racism is just black and white in the United States. <laughs> Maybe because I, I got a real wake-up call when I went to the Dominican Republic and realized there are, like, dark-skinned Dominicans that we identify as black people and then light-skinned Dominicans. And they have the same blood, the same heritage, but, like, that's still racial tension going on, bro. And so it's not just United States black and white. Like, these countries in themselves, I'd love to hit learn about the if there's any racial biases in, like, China. <laughs> we'll have to check that out. That, that's a whole I just, segment. I just love to, you know, not to laugh, but I'm just curious. Well, we've talked about doing a whole segment on racism. Oh, yes. And when we talked about it, it was black and white. Yeah. But you know what? Just like you said, it's really not. Yeah. Oh, so that's, that's cool. something that we will look at. But it, in even when it comes to immigration, um, the different foreign ethnic backgrounds rate 
the others. Um, so it's amazing how people all over stoop to that. And I'm, you know what? I'm by by no means am I holier than thou, nor am I perfect or the most positive person in the world. <laughs> but I will tell you, if you go to my Facebook, you don't see me getting into fights and arguments over this stuff. You know what? I'll pray for you because sometimes that's what people need. You know, I believe in that as well. You know, I'm a different type of millennial. You know, your energy is real. Your peace is important. So granted, these are conversations that need to be had. We're going to get into them. You know, this is outside of my thing because I don't like politics. But I understand the necessity of what we're doing. But my peace and my energy you can't get back time when you're arguing with people over things that aren't being corrected properly. I can't sit up here and argue with you on Facebook about your opinion and my opinion, and neither one of us are taking any steps to like properly resolve it in the correct manner. Because I, you, I'm not losing sleep. I damn sure ain't losing a meal, child. You know I got to be at dinner <laughs> probably at 7.30. So I just don't understand. Seven twenty nine. <laughs> I just don't understand. As soon as the buffet opens, seven twenty nine. <laughs> I just don't understand um, that whole. That's for for people like me in the in the modern society, the millennials. Like your peace is real. Your energy is real. That high level stress, keep it. We don't want it. We can do everything that we gotta do, but your energy got. If it's bad energy. And I to mean, me, it's harder it. to be mean and nasty to people than it is to be uplifting. Yeah. You know what? If if somebody has taken their family or themselves and left their country to come here for whatever reason and they're making their way, why are we trying to stop that? Correct. Why are we not trying to say, hey, here's the path to do that. Let me help you. And imagine if someone tries to stop you in your own quest to live. The American dream, which has been around for years. Exactly. Like imagine someone trying to stop you at that path. It's the same concept. You're doing it to someone else. Why? Because for whatever reasons you got growing up or you know whatever beef you had that was exposed to you as to why you should but it, it just makes no sense like you said it's more energy to take out of your exactly. time to try to stop somebody than it is to be like oh no this is the correct way to do that now the criminal element i'm all for they have no business being here those who don't want to work those who don't want to contribute you have no business being here mm -hmm. It's America. It's the land of the free. And no purging up in here. But it's not the land yeah. of receiving handouts. Yeah. And too often, people criticize millennials for being like that. When in reality, these are some of the most creatively hardworking people you're going to meet. Um, and then there's also the perspective I've discussed where some feel like they have to resort to a criminal lifestyle to survive because now they're being ousted when trying to do it the right way. And so it's just like, I understand, but if you get caught and you've got a charge for a theft of $500 from some place, but the reality was is that you can't find a job, you're not given the opportunity to try to better yourself, as an immigrant, per se, I'm not saying to be lenient because now you've taken it into a step of criminalization but I understand because now but it's like when they do that. it legally, Brandon, they have a sponsor. In fact, that's one of the things that the Trump administration yeah. wants to push is that if you've sponsored someone and that someone now has to go on public assistance, the sponsor has to pay for that. Now, now, what fairness is that, though? Because the sponsor took the responsibility to bring them over. And, in fact, um, when I talked to Magdi, mm -hmm. who contributed quite a bit to my education of the immigration process, because he did come from Egypt on an educational visa, um, said 
that they do have sponsors. And when I said, well, what is that sponsor responsible for? And the sponsor is supposed to be responsible for helping you get set up and any, you know, if there's something monetary or you get into trouble, mm-hmm. the sponsor is responsible for that. They signed to bring you. Right. They took that responsibility. I think under certain circumstances, I get that. But, like, if they do everything that they can to help the individual, they get on their feet, whatever, whatever the situation, like any normal American, things happen. And but are they, are they in the process of, or have they just... Totally ignore their visas expired and they've just totally ignored doing anything towards. No, I'm saying citizen. like at that stage, like you are like no longer assisting on the sponsor. Like you have gotten to where you're the sustainable person making your life working, taxing like everybody else. But I'm saying like a normal American who can come on hard times because of a job loss or because of an accident. How am I to say that my sponsors my sponsors responsible because. I've gotten fired from my job, and it's hard to find work for three months, and I've now gone on public assistance. But doesn't that make the sponsor be a little more selective about who they bring? We're Americans. Just try to say that (laughs) in real life. Because of what incentive are these sponsors being given also to help these people? Or, you know, how is this process initiated? It's not like you just randomly knowing people across the country to say, you know, I'm going to sponsor you to be here. What is really the ultimatum? Like, how is this even initiated? Because And that's a good question. That's something that we can put out to our listeners, you know. Um, anonymously, if you want to send us information, we would like to hear if you are a sponsor or if you were sponsored and how that all works. Yeah, I think it would be great conversation. Because, I mean, this just keeps getting better and better. It does. Um, I mean, we're pushing an hour. We're going to we're gonna end part two. <laughs> I'm telling y'all, this is going to end up being about six parts because <laughs> we got a few more things to discuss. And there may even be a seven because, like, now we're going to get some conversation from you and we'll want to, you know, speak on that. If you send us a tweet, at the Real Solution Podcast uh, at Twitter or on Instagram at the Real Solution Podcast or on Facebook at the Real Solution Podcast. Can't keep saying that over and over again. Um, we want to hear the response from you, and it, I mean, we'll then start discussing what your information is and like, you know, looking into its validity and discussing that even more. And I mean, we're always open for guest appearances. Um, tell me you're across the country and you want to fly down and have a real conversation that can go to the world. I'm here for it and we'll make sure it's taken care of. So, um, I think that's it for part two. Episode one, immigration, the real solution, honey crazy redhead over here is letting y'all have it. Like I said, you know what? We're just here to find the facts and educate ourselves and then pass it on to you. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm... I still have a lot more living to do, unlike somebody. (laughs) As I said before, he can be replaced. Oh, my God. And he's pushing that replacement. (laughs) All right, guys. We will see you back next time for Episode 1, Part 3, Immigration Discussion Continues. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.